0: So hello, folks, and welcome to another episode from the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales forward. As usual, I am joined by my Sales Chat Show colleagues, Mr. Phil Jessen, Mr. Graham Jones, and I'm Simon Hazeldean. And folks, we have been taking a look at some data that's been released recently from those wonderful people at LinkedIn Uh, and this is the LinkedIn global state of sales report and that gave us our thinking for this for this episode so we're calling this episode virtual selling is different are you getting it wrong so we thought wow let's let's look at what the data from the linkedin report is telling us and then make sure that we're taking appropriate action because 55% of buyers according to the data say that working remotely has made the buying process easier right they find it easier working with organizations remotely and 71% of them are saying they want to continue working remotely at least half of the time. So, possibly even more, half and more. So, your chances of getting face to face meetings with customers is nowhere near as good as it perhaps it, it used to be. So, I think we've got to rethink it. Even if we are, have been a classically face to face based seller. We have got to realize that virtual selling is absolutely here to stay, folks. So it's not going to be going away when hopefully COVID starts to, the impact of COVID starts to subside. It is definitely here to stay based on this data. And also the idea that maybe it's suitable, virtual selling is more suitable for small ticket items or for lower purchases, Unfortunately, that opinion is definitely not true either, because 36% of sellers responding to the state of sales survey were reporting they've closed deals of half a million dollars or more. Without ever meeting the buyer in person, folks. So Graham predicted this a number of years ago on a sales chat show. He's nodding at me. What was the what was the example? It was a bridge, Graham. It was the craziest yeah. example. Just, just just remind our listeners of, of what that was.
1: It was a local authority who had bought a new bridge to cross a river uh, that they needed. Um and it cost 16 million pounds. And they bought it online with a buy now button i don't think they use paypal to pay for it but um they just press the buy now button on an e-commerce um implementation um for um local authorities so yeah they that was 16 million pound bridge uh from a civil engineering company obviously um that they bought just by pressing a button online
0: which is kind of kind of crazy when you think about it or let's say it used to be crazy when you yeah. think about, it, but it's not now. It's, nope. it's, this is this is the way it is? So, virtual selling has some very very important differences from face to face selling. So, what we've done is we've we've pulled together. Graham has actually created what he's calling the six P's of virtual selling. So, we're going to go through these one at a time, introduce them to you, give you some thoughts, give you some insights, and then what we what we'd like to recommend you do: give yourself a mark out of ten for how successfully you do each one of these in a virtual selling environment. And that will give you an action plan then to upgrade your skills for this I was about to say new way of working, but it's not actually new way of work. It's been around for such such a long time, or an increased amount of virtual selling that is just going to be take, you know, just going to be taking place, folks. So, you know, if you want a future in sales, you're going to have to make sure you're good at virtual selling. I think is is probably yeah. probably wouldn't be too strong a point. I don't think so. So, Mr. Jones, would you like to take us through, please? Just give us an overview of what the six Ps. Are. Are, in case we've got listeners like I'm a yes. big note taker. I'll be popping my notes okay. down we, we,
2: we should point out copyright pending, of course. Graham's about to come up with a fantastic <laughs> new model here. So. <laughs> yes.
0: I think this will be appearing in Graham's business studies students. Ooh, absolutely. Going, going yeah. forward. So, uh, we have
1: a module on sales. So I think we're going to have to add in a bit about virtual selling. So I,
0: I would think um, that will be a, a, There's already
1: some on it, but. Not yeah. enough, um, according Plum to this subject. latest study from LinkedIn, um, with more people going this way. Uh, so um, the six P's, the first P is going to be fairly familiar to anybody in sales, preparation. How well do you prepare for this? And of course, as we'll discuss in a while, preparing for a virtual selling experience is going to be different for what you'd prepare Face to face. So, we need to get the preparation right. Uh, The next thing is planning. And the planning is exactly what you're going to do, how you're going to do things and use technology Mm. and so on. Um, So, how you're going to prepare for things. Um, The next thing is how you're going to ensure you get participation from the uh, people who you are engaging with online. Um, Because obviously, they could just sit there and do nothing, which wouldn't happen in a face to face situation so you need to engage with them in ways that encourage them to participate in the event so how much participation are you getting Uh, presumably you're going to have some kind of presentation so the next p is presenting and obviously when you present virtually you need to do things differently to when you present face-to-face so uh, how well organized are you for that and you're going to need to ask lots of detailed questions that you wouldn't normally necessarily need to ask face to face because people would be giving you this information themselves voluntarily they tend not to do that online so you're going to have to do lots of probing that's the next p Um, and then finally you want to make sure that it's all worked very well and so you're going to have to do some post-event follow-up so those are the six p's preparing planning participation presenting and post-event follow-up.
0: I'm probing, probing, and then post-event follow-up. Probing and post-event follow-up. I was just
1: just following along my little list that
0: I've written down now that uh, I'm going to attempt to copyright faster than Graham. Uh, So so preparing, preparing for this one. Let me me kick us off with a couple of thoughts, guys. Um, Equipment, stroke technology, and the environment are my... My couple Mm. of thoughts. Graham, for a minute, you're you're our resident tech whiz, tech expert. Your thoughts on the the equipment that people need to be doing this successfully?
1: You're going to need good video camera, good microphone. Mm. Do not accept the webcam and the microphone that's embedded in your laptop, for instance. Even if you've been given the whizziest laptop by your bosses, tell them that it's not good enough. Uh, you need a much better webcam um, and a much better microphone. The microphones in most computers are, um, I think I can describe uh, in one word, um, rubbish. Um, and even though the microphone manufacturers will now take me to court and say that they are not rubbish, in comparison with um, extra microphones that you get in addition, uh, you know, proper microphones, the sound is really important. So the camera is really important, but the sound is more important. So the microphone is fundamental. So good camera, good microphone uh, is what you need. Uh, You need a fast computer. So if your computer is a bit slow, make sure you have got the fastest computer. Um, And then any extra technology you might need in terms of being interactive. So if you're using something like Microsoft Teams, for example, there's various polling things you can put in there. Zoom has got polls and things that you can use. You know, what kinds of additional uh, bits of software do you need to understand? I mean, one of the programs that we did at the beginning of lockdown, <laughs> almost two years ago now, um was about the need to understand technology. Many people had had to rush online and do things online that they'd always done face-to-face and were finding that they didn't know how to use the programs and so on. So it's not just the equipment, it's how you use that equipment you've got to be prepared for.
0: And I think also if you're going to be using, obviously, a great camera, don't forget lighting, folks, okay? So because visual stimulus is very important, there's going to be less of that. Over, a, even over the best quality webcam is not the same as being in person. So make sure the customer can sort of see your, Graham's adjusting his lights as I'm saying <laughs> this. So make sure the customer can see your face, for example. I'd also add in definitely a second screen probably the bigger the screen is really useful as well so you can really see how your customers are responding and and reacting and ideally webcams just a little bit over eye eye level height so you might have to get a little stand or something so so that you you know you, you've got that good eye contact through the camera with the with the customer but yeah definitely. just to give them a
1: plug i'm using a thing called a PlexiCam. So Plexicam is a, I mean, I can't show it to you because it's behind the camera that I'm looking (laughs) at, Um, but the the Plexicam is a piece of Perspex that you hang over the monitor. So I'm looking in the camera, uh, but Phil and Simon are right next to it. So I can look in the camera, but also see them at the same time. Whereas a lot of people, if your camera is affixed to the top of your computer, for example, you end up not looking at people because you look at the screen and then you never look at the camera. So you make no eye to eye contact. Whereas here, I am making eye to eye contact because they're right by the camera that I'm looking at because they're hidden, not hidden, they're seen through the Perspex support for the camera. So it's called PlexiCam.
0: If you find looking at yourself, by the way, as part of the image, you can in Zoom and Microsoft Teams, you can turn off self-view. Yeah. So you'll just have the customer's video, which means if you find looking at yourself distracting, some people get a bit self-conscious about it, drop that off, and that that also that also I think can, can
1: alternatively, help. if you want, you can turn them off and just look at yourself. well research
0: by i think it was gong labs uh don't quote me on that was people were more successful virtual selling when they had webcams than not and when customer and the salesperson had webcams on they were even more successful so definitely get the customer on camera if you if you absolutely can and i think environment you know, if you've got a good microphone, you've got a good headset, that'll take out any background noise. Um, But just make sure, you know, that what's behind you is, is kind of okay. I don't, I don't, feel that you need to be using um you know virtual backdrops necessarily when you're with customers there's some research in the harvard business review that gave those the thumbs down um the tech's getting better blurred backgrounds and things you can you can you can now do but you know just i think it's perfectly okay to have whatever's behind you that's what customers seem to quite like so a plain wall or bookcase etc obviously make sure it's not your unmade bed or something with your
2: well, talk, talking of that, you may have seen that viral clip that came around a few months ago where somebody from the, one of the local councils was doing a Zoom call. So the top half of his body has got the shirt and the tie. Uh, but what he'd forgotten to do was that in his office, he got a mirror propped up against the wall and it clearly showed that he was sat there in his underpants. So not, not, not a good look.
0: I don't know memorable though Phil I mean you're yeah, never going to yeah. be forgotten are you you won't get any sales but you'll never be you'll never be forgotten no, and I can of course sure you not a good look not not absolutely not, it, not a good look
1: here in the UK there's a great TV series called the Ranga Nation uh, which is produced by um, the BBC but it's led by a British comedian called Romesh Ranga Nathan, um, and he has a virtual um, posse of people who join him every week on a Zoom call. Um, and at the end, then he has a couple of celebrity guests in the studio, and at the end of each programme, uh, there is a game, and it's called Trousers or No Trousers. And the <laughs> celebrities have to guess which of the uh, people on the Zoom call have been sat there with no trousers on all evening. Um <laughs> so. So, so you could play that with your clients, but maybe not a good idea.
0: Yeah, I think uh, sales chat show recommendation is definitely trousers when you're yeah. virtual. When you're virtual
2: selling, well, that, that's clearly one or of skirts. the that's clearly one of the points that we've got to cover off in the preparation. <laughs> yeah, today. or
1: skirts or kilts or. Yeah. So ringer. we've
0: we've done our preparing. So mark yourselves out of ten, folks, on uh, how well. Give yourself a ten out of ten if you think you've got that absolutely covered, or lower numbers, and decide. Decide what you've got to do to raise your game. Uh, what is the second P again, Mr Jones? The second P
1: is for planning. So this is the kind of objectives that we may wish to achieve in the meeting.
0: OK. Thoughts on objectives, Mr Jessen? What would uh, you- yes,
2: well, I'm, I'm a great fan in having objectives for the meeting, but also a secondary objective if the main objective does not come off and often salespeople sort of get a little bit deflated when they feel that things are not quite going to the main plan but if you've got a backup objective or secondary objective or whatever you want to call it uh, you can at least still stay very focused on that Uh, if you think about the recent um, environmental conference up in glasgow uh, I think it's fairly clear that they set off with the main objective, but they also had uh, some very clear secondary objectives, which they settled on um, and um, are now, of course, quite proud uh, because at least they've got something out of it rather than nothing. So oh, right. secondary objectives are important. And I think my other point about the, um, uh, the, the, the planning of the objectives is to be very, very clear about who it is that we're going to be seeing on screen and where do they sit and fit in terms of decision makers or decision influencers? Are they positive towards us or are they negative towards us? And let's not forget the rising stars within the customers organization who probably should be on the screen, may not say an awful amount, but Come the day, they will rise through the pack and be very, very important. So we need to be acknowledging them, talking to them, involving them as we go. I know we're going to look at participation
0: in a minute. Yeah, and I think I'm always a big fan of saying to, to sales folks, okay, very clear outcome for the meeting. What do you want the customer to think, feel, and do? So answering those questions, very clear. And remembering that, in my experience, virtual meetings can sometimes be shorter than face-to-face meetings have been traditionally in the past so choose your of the choose the the depth and complexity of your objectives accordingly so don't don't try and overachieve in a virtual meeting tight timing will probably go against you as well as people's concentration span in that in that kind of environment i
1: would just say that uh, phil's point about feeling deflated if your objective is not met Uh, The most frequent cause of that is when your objective is to meet a sales target. So if you didn't have one of those, then you wouldn't be in that deflated situation.
0: This is like this is this always reminds me. I think I've said this previously that scene in the Blues Brothers where they'd say they're on a mission from God. Graham is on a mission, I think, here to obliterate sales targets as a concept. So is, uh, make sure you listen to our not one but two, two. arguments. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, move episodes. on, move arguments on, quick, move, on move on, man, move on. on, on, on. Sales targets. I'm moving, Mr. Phil. I'm moving. Uh, the third P Mr. participation. Jones okay you have got to engage as early as possible when you are selling virtually folks because people are more likely to be distracted virtually by their microsoft Teams messages by their phone by their social media um all all those sort of things so you know the the one the one thing to just be aware of is To join the virtual meeting, the client is using the tech that they conduct the rest of their business life with, and it's all there in their screens and on their laptops and on their computers, disturbing them. So we've got to engage early and drag them in you know drag them into the meeting literally I mean you know drag their attention into the meeting um, and we've got to get their attention off what they might have been doing or distracted and onto it so you know engaging as early as, as possible I think really really important and, uh,
2: and also of course uh, you know participation uh, to some extent starts long before the call doesn't it yes there's yes. nothing wrong with sending an email or a text message to the assembled gathering, simply saying, I'm looking forward to speaking, meeting, blah, 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 with you next Thursday. This is what I'm setting out to do. Are there any points that you would like me to cover? And just trying to get that. It doesn't matter, of course, if there's no response at all. At least they will say at the other end, well, these people are making an attempt to really get us involved in that.
0: And we can also now do that with video email. So, Graham, I think you mentioned before we started recording, you used Loom. Loom. There's, there's other, Bon Bomb. there's a number of ones where I can literally email you. a uh, Hey, Graham, it's Simon here from XYZ Limited. Looking forward to seeing you tomorrow on the call. I'm hoping to cover off these things. Please let me know. If that's you know, if that's going to be uh, what you were looking for from the sessions, not many people are doing it. You can also send video audio messages on LinkedIn as well. So, yep. might as well. Why not, right? Why not try try it out, folks. See yep. see how it see how that works for you as well. It, it could be a point of differentiation for you versus your competition, or if your competition are already doing it, at least you'll be. You know, I think one the of the
2: acid tests for that is that if ever. Uh, we find ourselves looking at six or seven faces on the screen. If you're looking at one of them thinking, well, who is that? And why is my immediate reaction to that face uh, quite a cold one? um, Then we need to be aware of that and to to do something to at least make sure that all six or seven faces, you think of it as a warm call, a warm meeting, not, not a cold meeting. So, and again, Graham was saying you can use
0: polling and things, and I know some people do that, I mean, together. But I think, you know, take take a hint out of the old telemarketers technique, right? Questions engage brains. So the sooner yeah. you ask a question and start conversing, you, you've you got them participating
1: and engaging. So, Mr. Mister Jones,
0: what is number four?
1: Well, before, before we get to that, I was just going to make oh, one okay. point about yeah. participation, and that is that when you re- when you reward people... Quickly, they stay stuck to you, so they stay engaged. And so, one of the important, one of the things we can do online is to reward people for taking part. So, when they see their question answered, when they see their name being mentioned, it's a psychological reward. So, anybody who's studied the "Don't Eat the Marshmallow" kind of studies, where uh, you give people a long-term benefit for not doing something but a short-term gain for doing that thing, people mostly opt for the short-term gain, even though it Mm -hmm. would be much better for them to wait for the long-term benefit. And so when we um, are trying to get people to participate, the more we give them a reward for participation, the more they're going to take part and the less distracted they become. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason that they're distracted by those messages on Microsoft Teams or whatever else it is, is because they're rewarding them more. So in our sales meetings, we need to give them lots of rewards for taking part. So that means make, giving them the opportunity to ask lots of questions and giving them answers straight away and giving yeah. them, you know, uh, ability to see their results in a poll so that they're, they're getting a psychological reward for taking part. And then they're less distracted.
0: Perfect. Um, yep. Perfect. Good point. I mean, I think things like, um, you know, you can use things like whiteboarding yeah. um, or annotating directly onto the slides you're using, yeah. for example, is another thing I do quite a lot. So if you've got some questions, you can annotate just a couple of those keywords that the customer, and use that as a checklist. It's showing the customer you want to talk about. Capability or something. I'm gonna pop capability on the screen so we can see. You can see I've captured it. So that's a great. That's a great point. People repeat behavior that's rewarded as well as the other.
1: Is the other okay? The next key then is presenting.
0: Oh, sales presentations. So, what are your thoughts on the essential differences, gentlemen, between a traditional face-to-face presentation in a customer's meeting room? and a virtual presentation on Microsoft Teams or Zoom or one of the various other other platforms. What's your thinking, chaps?
2: Uh, Well, I think from uh, from a virtual point of view, it's probably going to be much shorter and sharper uh, than the face-to-face event. Uh, It is more difficult, I think, to gauge emotion and uh, body language, when you're doing the thing virtually, you can often end up looking at six or seven statuesque faces. So keep it short, keep it sharp and uh, ask for confirmation through, throughout. When it goes a little bit quiet, uh, you can always say to people, you know, how does that sound? Or you, you can go on the assumptive and just say, I'm, I'm assuming that that's all clear for everybody. And no doubt, if it isn't all clear for everybody, somebody will uh, somebody yeah. will say so.
0: So I think, I think you, you know, it's absolutely got to be short and sharp. I mean, this should be in a face-to-face environment, right? But, you know, you're going to get away with it a bit more face-to-face. I'm not saying that's recommended, but, you know, more more use of animation, movement on slides, revealing things to control where the audience is looking. So if you show them all the information on the slide, eye-tracking surveys show they go all over the slide and you've lost their focus. Opening things at one at a time. Put your text in a square or something like that, and keep it moving. Changes on screen are another way of engaging of engaging their brains. But uh, and annotate on the slides as well. Write on the slides. You don't just have to use PowerPoint or Keynote or whatever. You can write or annotate and make marks on the slides as well. It all keeps it more kind of interactive and and, and engaging. Mister Jones, thoughts from you, sir.
1: Um. I think my first thought is for sales presentations, whether they're online or face-to-face, is what we've covered in our previous um, programs about sales presentations. Please do not start by telling us the history of your company (laughs) and their recent expansion into Vietnam. Um, It's of no interest to your customers in Gloucestershire. Um, So so apart from that kind of general how to, you know, do a sales presentation, which people can listen to on previous episodes. I think the important um, part here is about how you use the technology. So often people will share their screen and that hides them. Um, And so both Zoom and Microsoft Teams allow you to share your screen and position the video so that you are next to the the slides as you would be in the real world. So if you're not quite sure how to do that, then make sure you practice with both Zoom and Microsoft Teams uh, so that you can present your slides and be visible at the same time. Otherwise, the software will push you into a tiny little postage stamp kind size yeah. item, and then people might not see you. Um, and so you just become then a voice to the slides rather than you having a conversation with them. Right. So the crucial thing about online presenting is understand the software.
0: Perfect. That's a great, great, great point. And number five is, is probing, probing, I believe, is probing, by which we're talking about questions. And Phil, you mentioned, I think, earlier, detailed, detailed questions. So thoughts on, I guess, what's missing here, chaps, is what are called those social cues, those non-verbals that are a very important part of overall communication understanding. And those are, to some degree, impaired in a virtual environment so i'm a big advocate of like the two times idea you know two times more questions two times more listening two times more probing two times more clarifying two times more checking two times more summarizing just because we've got to just get a bit more focused in in that environment to, to compensate for for what's missing is uh, my, my thoughts on that, guys. Uh, what have you got, gentlemen, on that uh, questioning in a virtual environment?
2: I, I think you can still use uh, probing questions to check out the level of interest and yeah. engagement and commitment. So if, for example, you are a salesperson uh, selling a machine, for example, uh, nothing wrong with saying in a rather assumptive way, Uh, So where would you actually put the machine? And if somebody was to say, well, we'd put it in factory A, not factory B, that rather suggests that they are with you. Mm, If they were to say, well, hang on a minute, we haven't decided whether we're going ahead yet at all, uh, then that's worth knowing that as well. So, yes, questions to check understanding, but questions as well to gauge the level of commitment and at what stage are people Uh, with you on the various points that you are, that you're covering.
0: That is, that is fantastic. So yeah. we're really, really making sure we are, you know, we're doing all of this. And by the way, in just I suppose in terms of just when we're thinking about this from a sequence, all of that good information needs finding has to occur before you make much of a presentation, okay? So no no premature pitching. So, But I think all the way through, right, when you're making your presentation, you'll be asking, if you're asking questions, get responses as you're presenting, you're making the presentation more dynamic which is driving engagement which is driving participation so it's not a static webcam yeah mr jones anything to add
1: i was involved in an online meeting last week and uh, the presenter was busily presenting their um, slides so obviously all they could see on their screen were their own slides uh, probably a postage stamp picture of themselves speaking and then probably just a list of other people or maybe one or two images that they could see. But I had set my system up so that I could see the slides and everybody else in the meeting because that I find that a yeah. better way of engaging because I can see everybody involved. It isn't just like, you might as well watching a new YouTube video if you're gonna mm-hmm. be doing that, you know, you, you're in a meeting with other people. So uh, I could see at one point, um, One of the audience had fallen asleep um, on camera and was um, busily, you know, leaning over and drifting off. Um, And then another one had got up from their seat and was clearly practicing their putting um, uh, in their office um, because both of those people had clearly become bored and fed up with what was being presented. And the presenter had no idea because they were busy looking at their slides and didn't see the other people this is why probing questions are really important because if that had happened in a face-to-face meeting if somebody had nodded off a good salesperson would ask them a question yeah. to wake them up yep. to say and what do you think about that george yeah? um, and if somebody had been rude enough to get up and start putting in the background of the meeting the, a good salesperson in a face-to-face event would bring that into the conversation. They wouldn't let it happen without some response to it. So this just shows that in face-to-face, yeah. when things happen like that, you would ask questions, you'd engage with those people. When you don't do that online, all that happens is they drift away from you and are not listening. And then the other people who've got the camera set, the video set like me, also notice this going on and they drift away from what you're saying as well because they're far more interested in seeing you know whether that person actually nods off completely and falls off their chair or whether the person playing golf is really celebrating because they've scored a hole in
2: one and that becomes more engaging. On behalf of Simon and myself Graham can I just point out that the person that's fallen asleep if they had a sales target they wouldn't fall asleep (laughs) because they would be They'd be constantly worrying about it
0: i think su- suffice to say virtually or in a face-to-face environment to our dear listeners customers falling asleep is possibly not the sort of impacts that we want to that we <laughs> want to be having but to go back to my comment earlier about having two or three screens i have the customers videos on the one most yep. important screen and my slides See, the slides actually at that stage are much less important than how the customers are responding to them, right? You, should know. you shouldn't have to really be looking
1: at your slides. No, <laughs> I mean, you, you can, should know them, yeah. You
0: can glance up at them occasionally or to annotate on them or something, I but your focus should be on your audience, not on not on your slide deck. So, uh, And if one of them's asleep, things are definitely not going very well. So uh, number six, Mr. Jones, is...
1: The post-event follow-up.
0: Oh, follow-up. Well, as anybody who likes watching a game of football, soccer, as they incorrectly call it in the United States of America, <laughs> apologies to our American listeners, but I think you'll find we invented it, so we get to decide what it's called uh, here in the UK. No, Follow-up's really important, right? You might not get the get the goal the first, it's the follow-up. Same in sales, but post-event, post, post event. what have we got here, folks? What needs to happen post-event?
1: I think you need to establish, first of all, that everybody has got all the information that they wanted to get from the event. So that is immediately responding afterwards. Thank you for attending. Um, Here are the slides, you know, so because you may have put them in the chat, but they may not have been able to download them in time. All of that kind of politeness immediately afterwards, because if you think in a face-to-face situation, you would probably give them a pack of information. You'd leave them with the copies of the slides, maybe, if you have any. You'd give them some kind of document. So on virtual, we go, well, we'll put it in the chat. Well, a lot of people will miss the chat. They may have closed the meeting and then have lost the chat, or they don't know how to download something from a chat because they are not technically proficient. Uh, So you need to find ways immediately afterwards to, even if it's a repetition, to deliver the material to them to support what you've been saying and that's got to be done immediately afterwards so the first thing is to deliver everything that you've already delivered just to make sure they've got
2: it i, I think, <laughs> think another thing that uh, yeah, on, another thing that i think is very important is to demonstrate that we've understood the mood of the meeting so if for example we've been talking to six people on the screen and there's a Mr. Difficult there and a a Mrs. Uncertain there and so on. uh, Then if you've detected that, then there's nothing wrong with being very open and honest about that in the post event summary and, and and saying to the key decision maker or the decision making process as a unit that uh, you get the feeling that the meeting would be happier proceeding with 20 units of the product as opposed to 50 units of the product. Um, And from our point of view, of course, with our sales hat on, that's absolutely fine. Uh, If they would rather go ahead with 20 as opposed to 50, that doesn't matter. At least they are going to go ahead. And when they see the value of said product or service in action, the chances are they'll be ordering a, a lot more. So capturing the mood of the moment the mood of the meeting and reflecting that back, I think is an important element, which clearly shows that we've listened and we've understood. Perfect. And to Graham's
0: point, one of the great advantages versus a face-to-face meeting is yes, you could immediately sit in your car or whatever after the face-to-face meeting and send the customer the information and summarize the email. Um, But you can, yeah, but most people will wait till they get back probably to the office to do that great thing i can finish my meeting at 3:30, 345. customers got a summary of the meeting all the information maybe even a summary video that i've just recorded and and, and sent across yeah. and they've got all the information it's there and a part of your preparation you think about what you might need to send after as you get it ready and then it comes across really fast really efficient Good, good kind of timing. So if you have shared it in chat, you can send documents across in chat, which is what Graham's referring to. Also send the document by email afterwards, because like I said, they may not have downloaded it from the chat. Or even if they have, it means they've got it right—a second copy. So there's no there's no chance of it going missing or there being any kind of misunderstanding. I and mean, then, you know, follow up, follow up quick and quick and strong. I think is a is a good place to go. So folks, give yourselves marks out of ten, our dear listeners, on that prepare, preparing, planning, participating, presenting, probing, and post-event follow-up. Think about what we've talked about give yourself a rating out of 10 for each of those areas and then decide what are your plus ones? What are your improvement areas? If you're giving yourself a six out of 10, what do you need to do to make a six or seven or an eight out of 10 in the next couple of weeks? And then really start to enhance your virtual selling capability and skills. So I hope that was a, a useful insight into some, some key differences that we got to get right rather than wrong when we're selling virtually, folks, because as as we said at the top of the show, it isn't going away. It's only going to become more, not not less. Gentlemen, any closing thoughts, hints, tips, comments on virtual selling for our dear listeners? Nothing from me. Okie dokie, Mr Jones.
1: The only point is to reiterate what you just said, that this is the new way of... Uh, the bulk of your work and so you've got to get it right
0: yeah so whether you're a face-to-face who's now going to be doing some of this or you're a hybrid seller who's going to be sitting in both worlds or you're you know literally moving over more to 100% virtual this is a skill set you absolutely have to have mastered as much as you may have mastered the face-to-face approach in the past you may want to go face-to-face that doesn't mean your customer wants to go face to face you've seen the data they actually find it easier so more likely you'll say oh can i meet you face to face they'll say well no really can we can we get on a virtual meeting right so there you go right it's gonna be the reality for sellers going forward so really got to make sure we're doing a great job there are to help you with all aspects of your selling and negotiation there are over 200 episodes from the sales chat show now on the podcast platform of your choice you'll find them all there please subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they come out which they do on a regular basis or visit saleschatshow.com where we also have those there so in the meantime from everybody at the Sales Chat Show, thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. Please let us know your comments on the show. And if you've got any episodes you'd like us to record, please let us know via the Sales Chat Show website. We'll be delighted to record the topics of most interest to you. So from everyone at the Sales Chat Show, we just like to wish you good luck and good virtual selling, folks.